Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Play me to the desk. Coming to you almost live from the exposed northern plains of Canada, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Today, The Unknown Studio plays host to a very wonderful guest, a cover boy, if you will. The uh, the uh, cover boy of Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40, co-chair of Next Gen and Man About Town, Carrie Williams. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we wanted to have you on the show because you are a man about town, and uh, you have a rather, uh, shall we say, unique experience when it comes to staying in Edmonton and trying to turn it into a place that is uh, attractive to the 18 to 40 demographic, as is the mandate of NextGen. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Carrie. Okay. But you... Lived in Asia once upon a time. Once upon a time, yeah. And what were, what were you doing there? Exactly which countries were you were you visiting? Uh, I spent uh, almost two years in Japan. Uh, I was the first year I was there. I was there as a road exchange student, and then uh, the second time I was there, I was there in university as an exchange student with the University of Alberta. And did you have designs to stay there forever? That was uh, part of the plan. Yeah, at, at one point, anyway, that was definitely uh, top of mind. That's for sure. It was the sushi, wasn't it? It was the sushi, yes. And um, oh, also hentai. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, forget I, about that. I don't know what you mean. Uh, of course not. Of course not. You're a public figure now. You, <laughs> you must not know what I mean. So, um, uh, you recently got married. Yes. Shall we say just over a year ago? Yeah. I was at the wedding. <laughs> they didn't ask me to MC or anything though, because they know what I'm like. Well, you talked about, you've spoken about hentai already today. So. <laughs> Our tens of listeners also know. <laughs> and none of them are going to ask me to MC their weddings either. Probably not. But um, I you, bet you get at least one now. <laughs> you and Alana, your wife, hi Alana, I know you listen to the show, <laughs> made a decision, or, or maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't decide to stay in Edmonton, but you are staying in Edmonton despite the fact that you had designs to leave. Right. So why did you stay? Uh, it was an active decision, first of all. Okay. Yeah, we we did actively discuss it and and make the decision. Uh, there were a, a number of reasons, but um, I mean, I think as with most people or with a lot of people, uh, you know, it starts with family and with people. That's for sure. Um, so that was that was a big thing for us. But over and above that, it, it was an active decision based on opportunity and based on um, an enjoyment of the city that that we had. Uh, discovered over the last few years. Uh, you know, I spent, as <laughs> as the article in Avenue has so aptly uh, said, uh, I spent 10 years planning how to, how to get out of the city and how to never live here. In fact, that's the opening line, <laughs> isn't it? I spent 10 years trying to figure out how I'd never live in Edmonton, says Kerry Williams, and now I'm one of its biggest cheerleaders. And might I say, I look fantastic in a cheerleader you uniform. You absolutely do. I wore it today just uh, to impress you. Much obliged. Much obliged. So uh, you and Alana decided to stay. Was this before or after you became involved with NextGen? Uh, before, I guess. Well, it's probably about the same time. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I've been involved with NextGen for three years. So, you know, it's probably about the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe before, actually, because before we were with NextGen, uh, Alana and I were doing our own events. Uh 
based around trying to help people recognize some of the great things that were happening at Edmonton. So we were trying to do uh, pretty laid back um, affairs. I hate to say networking affairs because they really weren't. Um, we just felt that if we put uh, a bunch of really cool people in a room with some great art and some great music and some great uh, wine tasting and food for local food and, and focused on what was happening in the city that people would just naturally start talking to each other about how amazing it was. Yeah, and I actually went to one of these events and it was pretty cool to see you know, some old friends that I lost touch with, but then this sort of young slice of the Edmonton population that, well, I frankly didn't even know existed, you know, I mean, it was, it was different. Um, I don't know that well, there is an organization in Edmonton that's still trying to do stuff like that, isn't there? There's a few. Yeah. Um, there's definitely uh, one or two that have cropped up in the last couple of years that are doing almost the same thing, uh, which is good. Uh, you know, we we basically got introduced to NextGen and sort of said, you know, here's an organization that has some resources. There's no point in us doing the exact same thing that NextGen was talking about doing. Because NextGen was doing some similar things at the time. I think we've gone in a better direction now, but um, we were uh, at the time doing some similar things. So, I, you know, I just got really involved with NextGen and tried to push that same sort of an idea with NextGen at the time. For those of you who don't know, <clears throat> NextGen is a, a committee of uh, citizens of Edmonton and members of the city bureaucracy, let's say, em city employees, government. right? Yeah, city employees. And what's your guys' mandate? Uh, I probably couldn't say it word for word off of the website, but it's essentially to make Edmonton a city of choice for young people. That's, okay. that's the short version. That's what we like to, to say now. Uh, it's a unique, really unique committee because about 40% of the committee members are City of Edmonton employees and about 60% are community members. So it makes a really unique uh, situation because we're intimately tied to municipal government. But at the same time, we're you know, most of our, our uh, the majority of our members are community members. So we're, we act really as a bridge between municipal government and the community in both directions. So uh, being, being um, a committee of the city, does that, do you guys have to operate sort of in the strictures of, of their whole governance structure? Officially, yes. Uh, oh, they, <laughs> unofficially what? They cut us a lot of slack, so to speak. Um, you know, the uh, the senior management team at the city, for the most part, you know, when we were we were building the organization from scratch starting three years ago, and for the most part, they, you know, we, we sort of said, okay, well, what do you want us to do? And they said, well, what do you think you should do? You know, and that's pretty unique. You don't find that in government very often, especially government that says to a group of people 18 to 40, you tell us what you want to do. Yeah, you it's know, probably and, a first. Yeah, it, it's we've really broken ground with this with this committee. It's it's really unique. We haven't found another organization like it anywhere in North America. Uh, so it's it's a really a gem for uh, and a feather in the cap for Edmonton. Um, so when NextGen started, the, the thing that I remember reading about NextGen was that they came up with a series of recommendations for the city. Right. And it, it I'm going to be a bit of a cynic here. Um, Not but you. It, it's <laughs> no. <laughs> it sounded like. NextGen came through their first sort of, what do you call it, the process of making decisions and recommendations. Yep. And the report that they produced said, the city needs more wireless internet. And, <laughs> and that was it. it. That wasn't it, but that was the big takeaway message. And it seemed like NextGen was going to be one of those uh, good ideas that fell by the wayside. And I know that you get a lot of shit, frankly, from people sometimes sure. who are just like, I don't buy it. I don't think that 
this committee of, of, of you know, uh, city administration, city government, and uh, and citizens is really going to be able to come up with anything. And in fact, you guys were interviewed by View Weekly recently yeah. uh, about the effectiveness of next gen. Are you effective? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's a great question. It's a question we ask ourselves a lot. Um, you know, I wouldn't say constantly. Obviously, we're we're a volunteer committee, so uh, we meet as a committee. Uh, you know, essentially two hours a month. You know, yeah. so how truthfully, how effective can you be at two hours a month? Well, right. I you tell me. Don't uh, have a, <laughs> at <studio>. what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, beyond that, I mean, I, I I trivialize it a little bit because our volunteers and our committee members do way more work than two hours a month. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just our greater committee getting together and and uh, reviewing, uh, you know, the the priorities that we've set and are we hitting those priorities. Uh, but underneath that, we have um, a set of working groups that really do the work um, with our committee members and our volunteers. And um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot more time than that put in, that's for sure. But are we effective? Uh, I think we've been tremendously effective on some things. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, I I, th- I think a big um, a big point in the criticism that Next Gen faces is um, a lack of, uh, of communication on our end as to wh- who we are and what we do and where we fit. At the end of the day, we work within government to create change. And we're always going to. We're an administrative committee of the city of Edmonton. There's no way that we're going to come out and and actively um, attack the government or the council. That's just not what NextGen is about. NextGen is about working within government in order to push government forward and the city, the city corporation and the city geographic forward to a place that makes us happy to live here and participate in the community. That's actually refreshing uh, because most organizations that try to enact change i'm going to say mostly on the federal level but uh even provincially even municipally uh tend to work from outside of the system and try to put pressure and i would even go so far as to say negative pressure on these organizations picketing protesting what have you and i would argue that it's more constructive if you if you want to enact change to get involved with what you're trying to move forward and to work from within because that's the only way that you can effectively make change as far as i'm concerned i think it's going to be an issue dependent thing you know i i don't disagree with you i think that quite often you have to dismantle and rebuild the system from the inside if you want to be really dramatic about it but i mean i mean you know painting a sign and and marching up and down the sidewalk outside city hall not tremendously effective sometimes sometimes it is Sometimes it's terribly effective to do that with a to protest something. I don't know what the issue is, but I mean, you know, if it's about raising awareness, which which was something we talked about in the last episode, jokingly, then sure, protest. But if you really want to be effective, you're going to have to be chummy with some of these politicians, members of the city administration, even city employees. I mean, yeah. you can look at the city and and think that you know exactly what's going on, but really, unless you're sort of in there, you don't really know. It's true. And uh, I mean, I had a friend who sat as the 
I think she was the chair of the Edmonton Youth Council. I don't know if it exists anymore. Yeah, it's still around, that's for sure. And, and you know, she said it was cool because they sat in council chambers and they did their thing. And, and one time Mayor Mandel showed up and stole some of their pizza, you know? like well, <laughs> I laugh because that happens uh, to every committee. I think. Really? <laughs> Mayor Mandel just roams from boardroom to boardroom. <laughs> he pops out of his secret entrance to uh He to actually the mayor's does office. have, hey? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. It's not really a secret entrance. It's just there's no handles into the, into like the, the, the meeting area from, from the meeting area into the, the so mayor's office it's a one-way door yeah yeah mayor mandel oh, has, you guys have pizza great he's got a real nose for uh <laughs> for uh italian baking apparently <laughs> there I you guess. go but the um, more you know the more <laughs> indeed um so tell me some of the things that uh that next gen's working on right now because i'm curious i want to know uh, <laughs> Don't tell me it's nothing. We meet for two absolutely hours. Absolutely nothing. Uh, pizza. We're working on pizza. <laughs> a new formula, right? <laughs> no, uh, actually, right now uh, we're in transition a little bit. We have uh, four spaces uh, for community members, so we're just going through the process of of reviewing applications, and we'll be doing interviews in the next couple of days. Uh, uh, can I ask how many applicants you got for those positions? Sure. Uh, Thirty-two, I believe. Wow. Yeah, and the the level of quality of applications was unbelievable. Really? Right? Yeah, it was incredible. It was a really tough process. This just this last week, we narrowed it down to twelve to interview, and it was uh, it was tough. It was really tough to do. So um, now that you're in transition, who goes through these applications? Obviously, you. Does your your co chair Kathy go through them as well? Is that her name? Uh, Actually, yeah, we've just had a transition on that level too. Oh. So um, our we have a new um, uh, civic co-chair. Her name is Heather. She's uh, still a senior administrator at the city. Okay. But um, yeah, so uh, she doesn't actually. Um, the The group that goes through it includes um, four other members of our committee. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, it was um, three community members and a, a city employee. Uh, who stepped up to do that, uh, as well as our coordinator and uh, one of the, the senior councillors. I shouldn't say senior councillors. One of the city councillors uh, also sits in. So yeah, senior councillor. Do you mean uh, Ron Hader, <laughs> I assume? Mr. Hader, my apologies. You're old and fantastic. <laughs> so as I am wont to do, I'm going to uh, bring the conversation back around. Um, and I'm going to make fun of you for it. <laughs> Just kidding. Because that's, that's how we roll here at the Unknown Studio. Um, you mentioned that you had left, you'd gone abroad, mm -hmm. you'd seen the fantastic world outside of Edmonton and uh, made designs to never come back. And then for some reason, you did. And I'm curious what specifically about Edmonton drew you back? Outside of your friends and family that still live here. Yeah. Which obviously was not necessarily the uh, the only thing that would have kept you back here. No, and I mean, I... Uh... Uh, you know, I would go so far as to say that uh, that's not enough to keep you in Edmonton. You hear uh, that, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, no, I, I mean, for, for people who, you know, in, in, in the world we live in, um, with technology the way it is, we don't have to. I mean, you can talk to your mom every single day if you want to, and you can live I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. Mom, I love you, but uh, you nag <laughs> a lot. It's not about you. Um, no, it's about me. Uh, no. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, you can, you can fly in 
any day of the week. You can talk to them on the phone, email, whatever, right? So that's not enough, I don't think. For me, it was uh, it was a realization when I was going to school overseas that in order to make friends there, I needed to get involved. It wasn't enough just to go to school. You know, I needed to get involved in extracurricular activities, whatever it was. And so when I came back, I said, okay, well, geez, maybe I'll give it a try here too. And uh, I got involved. The first organization that I got involved with that really changed my view on Edmonton was FABA, Film and Video Arts Alberta. And um, I just, uh, I started going to their, I think it was Monday Night Club. Monday night or Sunday night club, where um, you would walk in and writers who wanted to test an idea would hand you a script. And people who were there who were directors and actors, we'd all split into to groups and you'd take this script that you'd never seen before and you would film it, no editing, nothing in an hour and you would sit down and you'd watch what people did. That sounds awesome. It do, was amazing. Do they still do this? Do you know? I think so. Yeah. Very I, cool. I haven't been in years, unfortunately, but uh, just because I haven't had time. But um, at that point, I met people who were doing just phenomenal work in film and, and things and just really creative and people that I had never met before and just I didn't believe lived in Edmonton right because if you wanted to do film and you wanted to be creative you went to Vancouver you went to Toronto you went to Montreal yeah and uh, that really changed my viewpoint and from them I met other people and I met other people which is typical Edmonton you you meet a few people and that spirals into other people and other organizations and it becomes uh, as one of the uh one of the uh, ladies who came out to to an art scene event that I was at uh, said you know it it just becomes a big snowball in Edmonton that she'd been here a year and she had heard about art scene and then through art scene she'd heard about next gen and through next gen she heard about this other and all of a sudden she her her social calendar was full with cool cool stuff yeah I mean you know they talk about we you know how when we went, went to school there were the kinds of people who went to their classes yeah. and went home and those people never really had a very rich post-secondary experience Guys like us, I happen to know, all three of us, became involved at the university level. And yeah. uh, it made it made the university experience more than just getting a degree or a certificate or a diploma or whatever. And um, it's funny that people don't really connect the dots when it comes to living in a city. Like, you don't think that becoming an... Like, you're like, I live here. You know, I go to the movies sometimes. Maybe I go see a show, a rock show or something. Why the hell would I want to become involved? Well, the answer is because if you don't you're going to want to move to Japan, just like Carrie did. Um, and it's a very crowded place. Let's Edmonton? be honest. <laughs> I'm in Japan. Oh, yes. Edmonton's getting crowded. Edmonton has room to grow. It does. Japan is an island. That's correct. But they'll think of something. So you're here now. You're involved with NextGen. Are you involved in other stuff as well? Because uh, I know you're a pretty busy guy. Yes. Now, now you just started a new job. You're you're doing some new stuff, so yeah, that keeps you busy. Yeah, work's been really busy. Um, I started uh, in January as a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Congratulations! Um, thank you, thank you. Started with him in January, so it's been very busy um, on that front. But um, the nice thing about about that is. Uh, y- you know, it gives me a lot of leeway to, to sort of make my own decisions as to how I spend my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I spend my time doing things that aren't related to work. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I uh, like Next Gen, and uh, I'm also involved with a little bit with an organization called Art Scene Edmonton. Okay. Uh, Art Scene was, uh, was started in Toronto uh, about, I think, two years ago. It's actually an affiliate of Business for the Arts, which is uh, a, a big organization of, of large um, companies that, that work to support uh, arts and culture uh, across the country. 
but then they realized that most of the members of Business for the Arts were were um, of an older generation. Mm-hmm. So they started a, an, an organization called Art Scene, which focuses on 18 to 40, which, uh, interestingly enough, they chose the same demographic that Next Gen chose. Perfect, actually. Yeah, yeah it's funny that way. So are, are these two organizations working together at all in this Um we informally we talk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, with me being a, a part of both. Uh, obviously, I try and create some com- communication between the two, but uh, not formally yet. Yeah. Anyway, um, but art scene really focuses on uh, building the uh, the creative community uh, within Edmonton. So connecting both businesses and arts together, recognizing that, um, you know, in today's economy, when you look at, at tech and the importance of innovation in any business, you know, that comes from a place of creativity, which uh, is a direct correlation to the arts and, and, and that side of things. So um, working to, to try and connect uh, arts communities and business communities to make both stronger uh, in Edmonton as well as in Calgary, but I'm not involved in Calgary. Because that's tough. That's really far. <laughs> and we don't really care about Calgary. That's oh, not that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> My family lives in Calgary. We have traitors. We have tens of listeners, and I'm certain at least one of them is in Calgary. Actually, that'd be awesome if we had people in Calgary listening to us. Calgary, you're all right. So you were recently featured in Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40. Now, I should tell our tens of listeners. I was one of the people who nominated Carrie because because I like Carrie. I think he's attractive in his cheerleading outfit, and I think that um, that he's doing some great things for the city. And he's he's younger than forty years old, and he's at the top. So, <laughs> what is it like to peak so early? <laughs> You're done, man. <laughs> uh, how, first of all, how did you feel <laughs> about being the cover boy? Yeah, it was weird. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's it's cool, but it's weird, too. Uh, it's you a know, good picture. It's a nice picture. That's what people say, yeah. They did good work, actually. The, the, oh, yeah. If you haven't read it, go to, I believe it's ad, avenueedmonton.com, and they have their uh, their top 40 under 40 issue featured on the website right now. And every single one of the people listed there is doing something pretty damned interesting in the city. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons you were nominated. So have you gotten uh, – has anything else happened as a result of uh, being in the magazine? Uh, I wouldn't say anything specifically has happened. Uh, you know, I, in, something like that, friends and family comment on it, obviously. You know, congratulations, yada, yada, uh, which is really cool. Um, that was great. I haven't had any sort of random strangers, you know, say anything. Yeah. No, you know, there aren't any – organizations that have come up and you know uh, said anything about it or approached me on on anything like that um my uh the up until probably actually just a few days ago it was weird and cool and then uh my cousin is actually at the the rock and roll show at the citadel this uh the current show at the citadel She's oh yeah. In that. yeah and so i went uh, for opening night and and hung out afterwards to to talk with her and and have a drink and uh <laughs> she introduced me as the cover of Avenue to all of the, the cast and, and like everybody who was there for the, the opening night party. That's awesome. It was weird, but, but hilarious at the same time. But she, she actually being an actress, she, you know, added a lot of, uh, a lot of dramatic uh, flair to it as well. So she would like introduce me to someone and she would say, uh, yeah, have you met Carrie? Probably looks familiar, doesn't he? Wow. And then she would wait and be like, you know, he's on the cover of Avenue this month. And I would Avenue say- Avenue this month. Next year, the Order of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, it's uh, it's just the natural progression. Of That's course, right. first right. first year the top forty under forty, and I accidentally called it the hot forty <laughs> under forty, which is definitely a forty slip. Yes. You say. Oh my, of course. You between you and Mac Mail, that was like it was like porn. <laughs> 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 you guys look so sexy. Geek porn. In fact, I believe my girlfriend saw Mac recently and commented on how hot he looked and then apologized to Mac's girlfriend for saying so. But, but you know, Mac's girlfriend agreed. He did look pretty hot. And you look pretty hot, and now this is turning really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me about the whole uh, process. I mean, you get nominated, and then the judges, I'm assuming there are judges... Yeah, I think there were five judges. Including the mayor, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, which was interesting. So you, you'd fed him enough pizza that he actually... Uh, yeah, apparently. He thought you were worthwhile. And and so do they give you a call and they're just like, hey, you're one of the top 40 under 40? Like, it, was there any pomp and circumstance? Or is, uh, for that matter, was there any, like, were they sifting through your closet to find any skeletons? Yeah. Did people you know get phone calls? Do they know them? about Not your method addiction? <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, sorry. I, you, you said you wouldn't say anything. Um... <laughs> No, I don't think so. Actually, that's interesting. That's uh, it's actually uh, even maybe a little disappointing. Hey, it would have been more interesting if they'd really dug in there, probably. But um, <laughs> or it wouldn't be interesting at all. But uh, <laughs> well, I guess that would be a good thing because otherwise, you, maybe yeah. you wouldn't be one of the top forty. Potentially, yeah. Uh, if they'd really dug in, uh, there's yeah, you know me well. Um, <laughs> Math, <laughs> hentai. <laughs> <laughs> So it'd be great when people search uh, for me. So interesting, hentai and Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they really did. You know, it was there was like an hour d- discussion with the, the reporter who did the interview and the, and the article uh, for me. But um, other than that, I don't think that there was, not that I know of anyway, I don't think they talked to anybody else or anything. But there was a great big launch event, wasn't there? Yeah, At yeah. At the end of October? Yeah, and it was packed. I was surprised. I really? Ex- yeah, I expected, you know, some family and friends and things, but... Uh, they told me, uh, the guys from Avenue told me they sold out in like a few days, basically. No kidding. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, luminaries were there, uh, from the Edmonton community? I'm so the wrong person to ask for that because I really don't <laughs> recognize people as well as I should. Really? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. But, um, obviously all of the top 40 people were there or, or just about all of them. A few people I think were out of town. Um, the mayor, uh, popped in for a little bit and. <laughs> Was there, there pizza? <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, Oh, <laughs> I smelled pizza he and pizza. I, he came through a door in the wall that no one knew about. <laughs> there's I one heard in, there was refreshments. <laughs> there's there's a secret door in every uh every restaurant in Edmonton for the mayor. Um that's where our money's been going. <laughs> Forget infrastructure. We need secret doors. We need more of them. Secret passages. <laughs> Uh, Actually that sadly that would be a project I would support. Then I would run for mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Access to all food in the city through a complicated network of tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> like a terrible scene out of the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> or a movie about the Vietnam War. Yeah, something like that. But at the end, you Set get in pizza Edmonton. instead right. of, you know, liberated. So um, the party. <laughs> right. So you said the mayor was there stealing pizza. Uh, were there other city councilors there? Uh, obviously, I mean, Councilor Iveson was there because he was he's on the top 40 as well. But uh, beyond that, no, I don't think so. Councilor Iveson was a guest on our show before he was one of the top 40. Yeah, we knew. We knew. Well done. Yeah, we knew well beforehand. Done. Also, I have his phone number, so I, <laughs> I just didn't stop calling him. 
or his wife. So are we making it our goal to have all of the top 40 people on our show? <laughs> I don't know. That would get us through a, a significant portion of shows, more than we've ever recorded, actually. It's true. We could do it five at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Just to make it easier well, on them. I don't know. Um, was the party good? Was there was there a program? You know, did you guys... Or was it just a, one of those things where you got together and had some food and laughed about the hilarious pictures of you in the magazine yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. i mean and there was a little bit of a program where they kind of announced each top 40 person and we got a little plaque and really? that sort of thing yeah cool yeah, that's kind of cool. cool we didn't get a plaque we didn't get a plaque avenue magazine call me <laughs> dead air <laughs> awkward silence <laughs> that wasn't awkward i was just removing my pants for no good reason <laughs> continue it's lucky i brought you a second cheerleader um <laughs> I think if we mention the Avenue uh, and their their website enough, maybe they will call you. Uh, it was a good time. It was a really good time. I would say, the, and I've spoken to Avenue about this, the only bad thing about it was that um, they didn't actually have the 40 of us there before the party. We just showed up when everybody else did. So we didn't know who was, it was a big reveal sort of a situation, which was great, which was really cool. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have kind of had a chance to introduce ourselves to each other. Oh, okay. Because I spent, you know, we spent the night just talking to each other rather than talking to anyone else who was there. Um, which, you know, is 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 fine, but it was, you know, it would have been nice to meet some of the other people that were there as well. So maybe just a different format next time? Yeah, so I think we're going to try and get everybody together to, because there's some amazing people there. You know, there's yes, some there people are. that, you know, I really want to get to know and, and uh, find out what projects are working on, that sort of thing. Now, to your knowledge, both of you, uh, was this the first time Avenue had done something like this? There Was it, um, there's another publication in Edmonton that does this, though. Isn't there? And it's isn't that the top thirty under thirty? Edmontonians does sizzling twenty under thirty. Right. Okay. I'm I'm nearing thirty. Edmontonians. <laughs> that's that's Edmontonians.ca, not theedmontonian.com. By the way. It's Just so, you it's so confusing. I know, but it's okay. We like theedmontonian.com. We had them as a guest on our show last time. We discussed in length the Edmonton Journal. Yes. Interesting. They just kept coming up. Hmm. It's like they're everywhere. Yeah. You'd think they were a newspaper of some kind. It's interesting because uh, one of the top 40 people is uh, HR at Edmonton Journal. You're kidding. So there, there we go. They come up again. I lied. I didn't read the whole thing. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh. Well, but, you just uh, said you, were, you weren't great with names. You I'm, I'm terrible, terrible with names. Faces <laughs> and what you do, not a problem. But, uh, terrible hey, that's things. the ugly guy. He uh, he does the unknown studio, <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about me. <laughs> I was going to say which which one. I was pointing at the. Uh, oh, oh yeah. we are both kind of ugly. I'm it's, sorry. It's, the it's whole... not true, actually. I'm not going to lie. I'm sweating just because I, you're so hot. Forty. Um, awkward. Yeah, very now. awkward. Very awkward. Um, so uh, the city just now started talking about its municipal development plan. I don't know if you've been paying any attention. Au contraire, actually. It's been uh, in the works for about two years. Right. But, you know, recently um, there there was some talk in the newspaper even about um, planning for how the city is supposed to grow. Right. And there was a lot of talk about sprawl growth, like outside mm -hmm. of the ring roads. Mm -hmm. um, and I happen to know that you don't think that's a sustainable model of growth. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? <laughs> how did you feel when you read that? What did you think? Because um, let me tell you something. The reaction uh, when when this when the Scott McKean story was published in the journal about it was 
um, interesting because you've got the old guard. And frankly, this is people who've lived in Edmonton for a long time, probably have had kids and like having a giant house uh, and like driving who were really for it, all for it. And then there's, let's say, the next gen, okay, who believe that it, the, the, the correct way to do it is to build up, not out. And the responses were vitriolic. Like, people were pissed. And I was mad, too. Because because um, I felt as though, you know, recent, in recent years, Edmonton's starting to get it right. And then they release this plan, and it's just like ass backwards again. Which is probably a bit of an alarmist reaction. It's interesting, um, because uh, I'm wondering now if I've been too far on the inside to to catch that. Because well, maybe we're we're obviously approaching this from different perspectives. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, it's been a while since I've uh, read <laughs> the executive summary of the municipal development plan because you can't read the whole thing, in my opinion. But <laughs> uh, I'm sure the councillors do. I uh, hope and they other, do. Other people do, but yeah. um, as a volunteer, it's uh, it's a lengthy document. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I guess my interest was was more on the transportation master plan. So that's what I'm a little more familiar with. But, but one one obviously affects the other. They they do, and they've worked very hard in order to try and connect the two. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've when they came to speak to to us at NextGen, they were very clear that they have worked together, and that was a, an initiative of uh, in focus of council. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, anyway, I think that you know you have to remember that the both of those plans are set for I think it's 2041. Wow. Right? That's a long view. It's an extremely long view. And in my mind, uh, as someone who um, uh, has, <clears throat> excuse me, has a background in, in, in Asia and in Asian studies, it's an extremely short view. Ah. Right? Because, you know, um, I, it's, it's important, I think, to plan and recognize that plans have to change based on, on how the world changes. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I say kudos to them for tr- taking the time to actually get to 2041, first of all, right? And, and to try and put together a realistic plan. Especially when we all know, according to the Mayan calendar, that the world ends in 2012. According to the Mayan calendar and a crappy John Cusack movie. That's right. Not, however, according to uh, NASA. When does NASA say the world will end? They're saying it's not going to and that the 2012 movie is just hype. Of course it is. When has Hollywood ever been right? I don't think, and you know, it's interesting. I don't think that uh, the Mayan calendar says the world will end. It just, the Mayan calendar ends. Yeah, it's (laughs) like saying the world will end December 31st of this year because our calendar comes to an end. We'll need to produce more calendars in order to maintain the longevity of the human race. Yes. That's the only way to do it. And the Mayans, who were a primitive agrarian society, apparently understood the music of the spheres in a way that our modern space scientists don't and knew that some cosmic event was going to end the world when their calendar came to an end. You have always been so down on the Mayans, <laughs> it's unbelievable. But back to the back to the transportation master right, plan, the MDP. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I, I think it's fantastic that we finally have a council that has said, you know what, guys, we're no longer piecemealing this city together. Mm-hmm. Develop a plan, right? I think that's a great move, first of all. Um, I think it's also we have to recognize that even though you're putting together a plan, um, you know, a lot of that land on the outskirts of the city has been sold and plans have been put together for it a long time ago and are in the midst already. 
Yeah. You know, so it's not like you put together a 2041 plan uh, along with the transportation master plan that focuses on getting people out of their cars and into public transit, which is one of the things that, that is focused in both of those documents, to my knowledge. Um, and then you in, you enact it in 2010 and shut off to all development around the outskirts of the city. That just doesn't happen that way, right? Yeah. We're going to have developments around the outskirts. That's absolutely going to happen. You know, it's a matter of creating and putting together the plan so that we can start that shift that comes to fruition by 2041, right? So um, you've read the executive summaries of these documents at some point. In 2040, what do you think the city's meant to look like? I, I know it, well, tell us one, what you hope it will look like, and two, what you think it will look like based on these plans. Let me start with, that's a great question, and it's the question we put to the city uh, people when they came to NextGen. Oh, really? Well, I mean, you look at the plan and, you know, our reaction when we looked at the transportation master plan, that's the last one that, that we looked at, so it's the freshest for me. Um, when we looked at the, the the review of the transportation master plan, our reaction was, uh-huh. <laughs> and? Yeah, exactly, right? Because it's, it's a high-level document. It really puts together, you know, certain points to drive the detail, mm -hmm. right? So the idea that we need to get people out of their cars and into tra public transit for us was a no-brainer you know yeah i you know it was more like uh okay now what so you know i show think, me the money yeah, yeah you know and i and that's the next step for those guys right is the next step is develop the 10-year plan and the 10-year plan is the details you know and so the 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 municipal development plan and the uh, the transportation master plan are, are the uh you know the high level stuff you know and so i don't think uh I'm I'm a little surprised that, that the response was so vitriolic, as you as you put it, because really at the end of the day, it's okay. We need to recognize what's happening in the world. We need to try and put together some structure so that uh, you know the thirty thousand people that work for the city of Edmonton can do their jobs without piecemealing things together. Well, That's my take on it. The, anyway. the the major criticism that I read about the municipal development plan was that there was still so much focus on building out, like you know, white picket fences single family detached kind of thing. And um, I think that, I mean, I know this stuff doesn't happen quickly. And Edmonton, frankly, has been a, a, a of poor development for a while. And, um, and you know, we're, we're getting back on the horse now and starting to, to make the right decisions, I think. And, and But these things don't happen quickly. I'm going to have you pause there because we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to elaborate on that question. Have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast? Well, this is your opportunity. The Unknown Studio is looking for advertisers. If you're interested, contact Adam at theunknownstudio.ca or Scott at theunknownstudio.ca and this space could be filled with your ad. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Now, do you think that it is partly a fault of, uh, do you think that there's been mismanagement in the city, frankly, when it comes to uh, not necessarily the current city council, but past city councils and the way that they, their vision for Edmonton was perhaps not the best for the city or was perhaps misguided? 
let me preface this with this is my personal opinion has no connection to the city or to next gen no and of course i'm I'm asking your personal opinion Uh, i just have to be a little careful at times certainly certainly. (laughs) but in in my opinion 2020 hindsight as well right i mean it's always easy to look back 10 years and say what what were they thinking yeah Yeah. right but you know we had some in 2020 hindsight in my opinion we had some councils who caved to the pressure of of taxation and said, no, we're not putting together any taxation. And because of that, now we have neighborhoods that are crumbling. Yeah. And we have to pay higher taxes now because they were afraid to say, you know what? We need a plan that recognizes the costs of upkeep. You know, so, you know, there's that example. Um, you know, I, I, in the past, I don't think we, we really had visionary people in council. And that's not a, a necessarily a problem with council as much as it is with voters, maybe. But you know, when we look at politicians, we have to get past the, um, you know, some of the, the basic uh, understanding of why we vote for people and look at people based on, are they leaders? Do they have vision? You know, not just can I relate to them, but what are they going to do for my city and not just for me? You know, it's difficult, I think, in I think it's human nature for people to look at other people and want to have someone who... Um, who, uh, they can relate to who they can relate to to represent them yeah. right and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily but I think it's human nature for us to look at things from a personal point of view mm-hmm. it, it's human nature right and it's difficult I think for every one of us to look at things from the big picture point of view which is what we need to do when we're electing uh, representatives in my opinion so the general kind of feeling then would be that uh, perhaps voters should be more comfortable electing someone who maybe they can't relate to, but who has uh, a vision for the city. Someone who who is willing to maybe take chances, uh, look at the bigger picture, and move forward based on that. As opposed to someone who's just hunky-dory with the status quo and who you wouldn't mind having a beer with on the weekend. (laughs) I don't think it's bad to uh, elect officials who are relatable. Because these people have to interact with a whole host of others. And if they're socially inept and they're not relatable to the point where, I don't know, the people just are completely turned off by them, well, how can they possibly be effective? Um, I think it's, we talked about this in, in another episode where it's important to elect people with vision who aren't afraid to make unpopular choices that are right. Well, and, and part of that is, and, and it relates to vision for the city as well, is that as as voters and and i mean in general not necessarily specific people because there are specific people who are going to be plugged into the city and and do have an understanding of what's going on but the majority of people go about their day-to-day lives and aren't really that plugged in and it's it's not necessarily a criticism against them it's just they they live their own busy life they don't have time to understand all the facets of what's going on in the municipality and that means they don't see the bigger picture and there comes a point where you almost have to trust that your elected official does. And even if they're making a decision that you don't agree with, that they they have the vision and the clarity to see what you can't and that you kind of have to go, okay, you know what, I'm maybe I don't completely agree with this, but let's see how it pans out. Outside of the, uh, the national energy program that uh, Trudeau tried to push through, um, I think 
generally speaking, that's how most people felt about him. Whatever your politics were with him, and the, and the reason I'm saying this is because, one, he's, to me, the last great federal statesman that Canada had. And two, uh, my parents, my father in particular, and my mom's dad, uh, were, they were conservative, but they respected the man. They wouldn't vote for him, and they hated his guts because of the NEP, but they respected the man, and they did trust that, generally speaking, he was doing things that were for the good of the country. Do we have politicians like that on city council? Yes. Are they all like that? Hell no. But we're getting there. You know, and and just like the transportation master plan, the municipal development plan, these things take time and they're generational. Well, and I, I you know, I think that's one of my biggest concerns with um, with what I see happening is I, I sat in on. I'll give you an example. I sat in on um, one of the uh, public sessions for the downtown airport, and uh, that was a heated debate for good reason. An important, very important decision, possibly the most important facing our city at the time. Um, and both sides were out, you know, and uh, I, I didn't have, um, you know, necessarily a, a choice uh, that I had made on either side. Uh, but when I stood up to speak, what I said to everyone there was, go home and ask your kids what kind of city they want to live in. Because those big decisions aren't made for you. Right now, they're made for your kids. And to me, you know, I've grown in the last few years being involved with NextGen. And when I vote for someone uh, now, I'll be voting for them based on how I think they're going to make decisions for my kids, not for me. Because at the end of the day, if a pothole gets fixed tomorrow, great. But that's not really what we need politicians for. Mm -hmm. We need politicians to make decisions about the future of our city and province and country. And their decisions and what the decisions that they make and the effect on those won't come to fruition for 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years. And that's what comes out of the Municipal Development Plan and the Transportation Master Plan. And that's why it's important that we have a council that's finally stood up and said, we need a vision and we're going to put one together. And so, I mean, I, I think whether you agree with the Municipal Development Plan or not, I think that's a huge step. And I think this de debate and discussion on it is important. But... Um, my fear is always when people are looking at those plans is, are you making a decision and a comment based on how you feel now or based on how your kids are going to feel? Because it needs to be a decision and a plan for 30 years from now, mm -hmm. not for now. Well, given that I'm the age I am, nearly 30, you know, that's how I, I, I think of plans like that. And I, I try to make decisions and I don't always, but I try to make decisions based on where I want to be living 20, 30 years from now. Absolutely. And that's why that's why I was in favor of closing the downtown airport, even though, you know, there were legitimate arguments in favor of keeping it open because of the history and the the function of what it could have done for the city. Those are two separate visions of Edmonton, though. Exactly. And and I felt that a lot of the people speaking against closing the airport were invoking a great deal of nostalgia. And that's probably not entirely fair to say, but that's what I got out of a lot of the comments. You're closing it. You're changing history. Well, let me tell you something. Um, Edmonton used to be a fort, and it changed. The legislature used to be in a different location, and it's somewhere else now. Like, shit changes. City Hall didn't look the way it did with the two pyramids years ago. Like, things change. And the, I'm not talking about significant things, because... Well, uh, maybe I am. The municipal airport 
is far more significant than any of the examples I just provided. But you're right. I mean, like, we can't sit here and, and pretend and, and make decisions based on what we want right now. Yeah. We have to decide where we want Edmonton to be in 30, 40, 50 years. And I think we can all agree that we want Edmonton to be a better place. And I don't think there's anyone listening to our podcast or not listening to our podcast uh, who would who Oh, there are would plenty say, of people not listening to our podcast, Scott. Well, there are, there are more people in the world than our tens of listeners. But the, the point I'm making is that I don't think you could go to anyone in Edmonton who would say that I want to be living in a filthy cesspool in, in 20 or 30 years. I don't think there's anybody in the city who would who honestly thinks that what they want for the city is not beneficial. But I do think that there are people who are short-sighted and who are selfish enough to think that keeping things the way they are now because everything's hunky-dory for them is better than pushing forward for change that could potentially help the city 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and 40 years I, from yeah, now. Yeah, and I think that I think there's recognition on certainly on the the opposition for an issue like the airport. And for people who are in favor of closing it, that you really, we have to carry the ball. Like, you can't just make a decision and then sit back and, you know, wait for, frankly, market forces to, to develop the city in a way that is that is going to be good for all citizens. This is a willful decision, and the process of building on that land, developing the city, planning for uh, transit and roads... It's a willful thing, and you have to be very particular about the way you move forward with that. Absolutely. And, you know, I never really understood uh, how much of an effect um, the, the city, uh, the corporation city, the, the government has on development until the last uh, Pecha Kucha that uh, NextGen hosted. And can you maybe explain a little bit what Pecha Kucha is? Sure. Uh, Pecha Kucha is an event that we host uh, roughly quarterly. Um, it uh, was started out of Tokyo in 2003, and it's uh, essentially it's a, a uh, presentation style. So this uh, group of architects out of Tokyo um, trademarked a presentation style called Pecha Kucha, which is 20 PowerPoint slides, 20 seconds a slide, 6 minutes, 40 seconds. Each presentation. Each presentation. So uh, someone can get up, talk about an idea, but they have to marry it to 20 beautiful images, no text, and uh, they have 6 minutes and 40 seconds, and then they're done. So we'll do, you know, 10, 12, usually maybe 14 at the most uh, presentations in the evening. We'll have music and, uh, you know, drinks and it'll be a party. Yeah. Uh, but the, we had uh, an architect and an engineer uh, come up for the last one who talked about um, public policy and how it affects development. And the example they gave was um, parking minimums. So when you build a commercial building, you have a minimum number of parking spaces you have to have based on the square footage of the building. Okay. Um, and they said, you know, they gave great examples, visuals of what this means. But they said, you know, you look at like a South Edmonton Common, for instance, you know, um, they have a minimum number of parking stalls they have to have around those buildings. And then you start putting, you know, a minimum around one building, you start connecting those buildings, like in a South Edmonton Common, all of a sudden you have a field of parking lots, mm -hmm. you know, and how does that affect your urban development? You know, all of a sudden you have to sprawl because you have to have parking stalls. And so uh, it was interesting because they gave the presentation and the d just, I think that day or the day before, city council had just changed the minimum uh, parking. So they lowered the number of minimum spaces? Uh, I think that they just adapted it. So the other way you can do that type of thing is you can look at um, uh, 
parking stall uh, numbers based on uh, usage. You can look at it based on you know a couple of other uh, formats, and I think that they had um, had put in some guidelines for looking at other formats. But I, I'm not intimate with with what they mm-hmm. did. But um, but it's just it was a real eye opener for me as to how public policy shapes our development. It's integral in in how our city develops. Far more, arguably. Um, influential on the day-to-day life of an, of a citizen than provincial or federal politics. Absolutely. Municipal Absolutely. politics, I would argue, is the most important uh, politics in a person's life. And, and if you go out and vote at all, ever, just once, it should be for your municipal election. Agreed. More than your provincial and federal. I and I, I advocate going out and voting, period, mm-hmm. in any in any situation. Go out and vote. Get your voice heard. It does matter. But if there's one branch of government that you absolutely should take an interest in, it is your municipal government because it does affect your day-to-day life. Everything from how your house is built to whether your garbage gets picked up to whether your roads get fixed mm-hmm. to your children going to school, that's all affected by your municipal government far more uh, heavily than than the provincial or federal government does. And in Edmonton, it's uh, because of the way our community league system works, and I'd, I'm not intimate with the details, but it's far easier to get involved at the municipal level and to affect change at the municipal level. I mean, NextGen's a, an example of that. The Pechacucha nights that you guys do every quarter um, are they're very easy. They're easy one to attend. Anyone can present. Absolutely. And it's it's a it's something that is run by a committee that exists at the, um, you know, by the will of council. Yep. That sounded dramatic. (laughs) By the will of council, Stephen Mandel demands pizza. (laughs) What kind does he like, by the way? Uh, I don't know, Anything. man. I should know that. You know, if you really wanted to butter the mayor up, you would know that. But we'll get him in here one of these days. I'm should. telling you, and yeah. we and we will. I think it's pepperoni. But Is it? Don't quote me on that. All right. Well, we'll get him real special pepperoni. Yeah. I but I, I agree with you 100 percent on on municipal government. And I you know the the most interesting thing about it to me is municipal government is the most poorly funded. Yeah. And councillors are well, the most poorly funded of politicians. They but are, they're the most important. They have the, the they're the closest hand to to the average citizen. And and the problem is that they're sort of at the at the mercy of the of the federal and provincial they governments. They absolutely are. Cuz I mean, you know, people get mad when roads don't get fixed and and we can't build out the LRT, but we absolutely need the support of federal and provincial governments in order to do that stuff. And they're busy screwing up H1N1 vaccination distributions. I'm sorry, I'm really cynical about the, our provincial government. Um, or, 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 you know, making an ass of themselves on the international stage when it comes to climate control. I'm also very cynical about federal politics. But but the point is that um, that a lot of people get really, really, really upset with municipal government. And in some cases, rightly so. But a lot of the blame lies at the feet of the feds and the, and the province. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you. I think there, there's, and myself included, there's a, a real uh, poor understanding or lack of understanding of what the separation is in, in duties between mm-hmm. them. And, and a lot of the time, I, I would assume that a lot of the, the time as a counselor is spent educating people on where counselors can really affect change because a lot of it they can't. Absolutely. I want to get into, um, I want to talk about the expo, the 2017 expo bid okay. that the city is putting uh, forward, because I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, theoretically, it could do great things for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, theoretically, it could not. Now, 
what do you have you thought much about it? What do you think about hosting an international event that could or could not be great for the city? I would. I guess I would ask first what you think. Um, why do you think it wouldn't be good for the city? I, you or, know, or why it potentially couldn't be the main argument I hear against the expo, and this is the main argument I hear, is that it's going to cost too much money. Well, there, that's one of the things, right? So, it, 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 the city has to put up a tremendous amount of money, and not just the city, actually, the province does as well. And I think that it's something that the federal government would help with too. And they, ha- they, as I understand it, have. Uh, agreed to pledge in some money right. but it and it doesn't cost just money to put on the expo it costs money just to bid for the expo right. which we've already spent money on and the the uh, the economic benefit realized by the city is this strange moving target of a number that no one can really agree on like theoretically yes you get a whole bunch of people in Edmonton and they're spending money and it's good for local business it's good for local business as long as the expo is here. You know, after that, do people give a shit about Edmonton? I don't know. Can we impress people enough with what the city is all about, you know, and that's what, seven years from now? Maybe. I, I, I'd like to think that we can. I'd like to think that in seven years, Edmonton will be in a better place than it is right now. But I don't know if the expo is really the... I don't know if it's going to be the cash cow for the city that everyone thinks it is. Because we talk a lot about it increasing tourism and doing all these wonderful things. Well, yeah, at the time the expo was here, great. You know, we'll have a whole bunch of people from all over the world here. After they leave, they pull up their their uh, their spikes and, and hitch their wagons to some horse that goes south because it's really cold here. <laughs> Where does that leave us? Was it worth the investment? That's my question. I don't know the answer. Uh, and you do, Carrie. So I'm well, clearly, <laughs> as you can see by the fear in my eyes, I know the answer. <laughs> Don't ask me this question. Um, for me, it's not an economic decision. Why not? I think that what the city, what this city, uh, city geographic, not city corporate, desperately needs is something to bring citizens together to recognize that something actually matters in Edmonton outside of potholes and. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is there is a significant portion of the population here who is here um, by default, not by choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do we bring them all together with the people who are here by choice and help them rec- recognize that, you know what, there's some really great stuff happening in Edmonton and they can make more happen. And do you think you think the expo is an, an engine to do that? I think the expo can be, yeah. And I, you know, so for me, it's all the unmeasurables that make the expo worthwhile. See that, and that's no offense. That's where that's what the politicians say. That's where guys like Mandel say all these intangible benefits. And yeah. I don't deny that they are they are there, but then you got the bean counter sitting there talking about the investment that needs to be made in order to make it happen. Yep. Is it worth it, dollars wise? I don't know. I think it'll be cool. Like, I think it'll be cool to have people from all over the planet here looking at the city and thinking that it's a pretty cool place. Well, are the intangibles enough? I don't know. If, if like you say, it gets the normal uh, working Edmontonian out of their house to realize that there's, there's stuff that happens here that's pretty cool, then yeah, in my opinion, it is worth it. Will that happen? I don't know. I don't know what we need to do in order to make it happen. Is it just having the event? Is it, you know, like what, what kinds of things happen around an expo? Well, I think, I think a big uh, 
you know, one of the big potentials for, for the expo is um, all of the, the development and the, and the infrastructure side, right? Like yeah. that's really for me is, okay, we look at, you know, the ideal for me is we look at the 2041 plan and we move that forward to 2017. Right. Like, well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's not realistic, but obviously, but at the facilities same time, have to be built. Right. Absolutely. And, right. and this was something they talked about in the Edmonton Journal. Actually, uh, there was a Stephen Mandel was explaining how Expo would would um, basically force them to develop the U of A South campus because uh, that would be the main. I don't know if it would be the main site, but it would be one of the major sites of the Expo. So that's good. It's a, it's a legacy project, right? Yeah. And that's what that's what Olympics do for cities. I mean, people talk about what a waste of money the Olympics are. Well, okay, maybe. I mean, I know that there were a couple of buildings being built in Vancouver for at a price point that didn't make sense. So there's some maybe there's some corruption there. I don't know. I'm speculating. <laughs> but when everyone leaves, the buildings are still there and they still see use afterward. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now you can talk about whether that's good or bad. I know that in, in Calgary, some of the facilities they built for the 1988 Olympics, it was 88, wasn't it? No. Yes. yes. And remember the two bears, Heidi and Howdy? Anyways, um, some of I'm those... I'm impressed you remember their name but not the year. The, yeah, I don't know why. Is it because you collected the pins? Yes. But also because they're still all over Calgary. <laughs> there are some buildings there, that, like the Athletes Village, that are in disrepair, but they're being used. There, there are facilities on the U of C campus, uh, like the, um, the Skating Oval, that are used. I believe the Saddle Dome. I don't know if the Saddle Dome actually was part of it. I think that. it was. So there you go. I mean, these things are there, and, and they do provide benefit to the citizens of those cities when everyone's left. Again, I come back to the cost. I mean, because that's what I do. I, I, I care about these things. I always thought you were a bean counter deep down. No, I'm an artsy kind of guy. I have <laughs> my own artsy, podcast. An artsy bean counter. <laughs> <laughs> I count, I literally count beans. That's the difference. Some people count, <laughs> some people count dollars. But in, a, in a gallery. I mean, I, there's part of me, you know, who's hopeful that this will, it'll give us international recognition it'll it'll be a great say leave behind for the city citizens of edmonton and then there's part of me that's like oh is it worth the money i don't know i don't know i look at everything as opportunity cost right so if we don't use that money to for 2017 and the infrastructure there what do we use it for all those potholes carry that's right that's right (laughs) and that's me actually just the potholes on my street okay (laughs) yes because at the end of the day i don't want to pay any more taxes i do well, you know, and here's the thing, and this is one of the things that bothers me about people I do. Who, who lament taxes a lot. And I mean, I don't want to pay a lot of taxes, but I don't have a problem with paying taxes because we belong to the clubhouse that is the city of Edmonton, and in a larger extent to the clubhouse that is the province of Alberta and the clubhouse that is the country of Canada. These are large clubhouses. But to be members of these clubhouses, we have to pay dues because otherwise the clubhouse falls apart and the club can't do awesome things for us. And that's just a reality of being a part of the country and the province and the city, respectively. But the argument is about the effective use of the those clubhouse dues, right? Well, and that's why you elect officials who are going to use the money in a way that you are comfortable with. And that means that we're agreeing that using that money on the expo is a good idea, right? Is that what we're saying? I, I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. You are. Yeah. You think it'll be good and you think it'll I be... I think it will be. I think that uh, I've met a few people who are involved with, uh, with the committee. I think that it's a, it's a good committee, you know, uh, for the bid anyway. Who knows after that? But I think um, I think it's got great potential for the city if, if people really get behind it. 
And we've got a city that has a phenomenal, phenomenal portion of people that volunteer. And I think the people, uh, the 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 uh, expo has the opportunity for to get a significant portion of people behind it and really drive the city forward. I think it will be a cool event. And I, my hope is that it does all the things that we hope it will do, that it will will create great facilities. It'll it'll give Edmonton. I mean, one of the mandates of, of NextGen or one of the, the things that you guys have on your website is is put to put Edmonton on the map. There's no question that at least for the duration of that event, Edmonton will be on the map. You know, um, then we need people who are smart enough to leverage that exposure into further promoting the city and making it a destination for people to move to. If, if Expo could do that, that would be amazing. I think that's the key. For, for me, you know, I'm a little bit cynical because I just don't see Edmonton as a tourist city. As a, no, neither do I. City. And I, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm real. I, I think I'm, I'm realistic and pragmatic, and I, it, I've no longer see that as an important uh, aspect of, of Edmonton. It's, I, I don't feel, think it's critical, but it's, it's a part of the formula. Certainly, I mean, people come here during the summer. Edmonton's unreal during the summer. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the only reasons I haven't left, <laughs> because our summers are spectacular. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't disagree, right? I think it's great that people come. Uh, I mean, the, the fringe brought in. I think it was like 900,000 people this summer, didn't they? Something ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. But, um, you know, and that's great. But I think a lot of that tourism is local, quote unquote. It's northern Alberta tourism. But um, for me, it's Edmonton isn't great because it's a tourist city that people from around the world come to. And I, I think, speaking of financial cost, the cost it would take in order to make Edmonton that kind of a city would be enormous. And I don't think Expo is going to do that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all about making the city livable for people who actually have to be here and are here every single day. And we've got a ways to go there, but Edmonton's a great city for that. Even winter, which people lament all the time, is not that bad, let's be honest. Well, no, it's not. I mean, and and the city is trying to do things to make the winters a little less like a period of hibernation for yeah, citizens with absolutely. the winter it was winter lights, right? That yes. was a, and they're doing it again this year and they're going to improve upon the formula they developed and you know, there are things to do here during wintertime. And one great example is uh, is New Year's Eve at Churchill Square. Mm-hmm. That's still one of the coolest things that we do. It's it's just amazing to see so many people out enjoying the cold weather and celebrating the, a new year. It's great. Uh, is it something that will attract tourists? Hell no. No. If you're going to go somewhere for New Year's Eve that's not your own city, you go to New York or Paris, right? Yeah. But that's not something that Edmonton... Uh, is and it's not I, I agree with you Carrie it's not something that Edmonton should aspire to be because it's a lofty goal let's set goals that we can achieve well and I think if we make the city livable so people want to stay and be here then I think we satisfy the goals of what tourism is I mean tourism other than you know it's dollars coming in right great but if you make the city a great city to live in one of the best mid-sized cities in the world to live in then you attract people who want to set up businesses and want to spend money here and raise their families here. And you, you fulfill that goal of tourism in a way that in my mind is, is more useful. In that you're not seeing transient dollars come in, get spent and leave. You're actually bringing in new residents who are going to continue to spend money at the businesses in your community. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. It's going to work you guys. I know it. On that note, uh, I think it's time for a Fast 15. 
Before the show, we asked Carrie if he listens to the Unknown Studio, and he said no. He Carrie, said no. Carrie's a close friend of mine. <laughs> He's a busy man, and he has not had time to listen to our podcast, which you can I apologize. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and download it to your iPhone. Oh wow, that will make it a little easier. There we go. The Fast Fifteen with Carrie Williams, co-chair of Next Gen. Carrie, your favorite food? Pasta. Favorite color? Blue. Mac, PC, or Linux? Uh, I use PC more. Oh, dogs or cats? Cats. Your first vehicle? <laughs> My first vehicle, I believe, was a Chevy Sprint two-seater convertible. Nice. In almost turquoise blue. Oh, it's hideous. Yeah. Your... But at 16, it was... Brilliant. Yeah. It was the best car in the world. Absolutely. Chicks mm. dug it. <laughs> sure they did. Your, uh, your favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. Your favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite pastime? V- volunteering. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, your favorite music right now? Actually, uh, what I've been listening to a lot is the uh, uh, soundtrack from uh, movie something, Nora's Playlist. What is it? Oh, Nick and Nora's Nick Infinite and Nora's Playlist. Playlist yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's actually a great soundtrack. Didn't yeah. like the movie so much, but really enjoyed the music. That's just me. Next question, your favorite movie? Favorite movie? God, I just like so many. That's why it's so tough. Pick one real quick. Yeah. Um, we got two more movie questions on the Fast 15. Oh, no. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know what movie I love that's underrated is uh, Dog Days. I think that's what it's called. With um, Pacino and the... I think it's called Dog Days. Okay. Uh, the movie that you dislike, but everyone else seems to love. I'll pass that one. The one movie that you get made fun of for loving. <laughs> I uh, really love anime. and uh, Oh, but not hentai. But not hentai, that's right. Um, but like good anime. You know, like uh, the really good stuff. So uh, my wife uh, can't stand anime. Really? So, yeah. There's some great anime movies There's some out there. great anime. And she just, it's not that she has ever really seen anything. She just, on principle, oh. has, has chosen that she will not, not watch anime. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, your proudest moment? My proudest moment? Um, I don't know, man. Avenue Top 40 was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, now we're on to our wild Not the cover. Questions. No. But being chosen. I, I thought the cover was pretty cool. <laughs> the cover was cool. Weird who who do cool. you prefer? Naturalist David Attenborough or the dude from Jurassic Park, Richard Attenborough? <laughs> Definitely David. Yeah, he's, he's pretty awesome. But mostly because he talks like this. Now, we are going to look at a monkey. <laughs> and we'll examine his bottom. <laughs> Uh, last wild card. If you could live on a colony on the moon, would you? Right now? Yeah. No. I mean, either. See, and a lot of people are really excited about living on another planet. I kind of like the one we have, even though we're completely destroying it. Yeah. Bit by bit. It's true. I was uh, reading about the uh, great tuna shortage that's coming. Oh. Saddens me. Yeah, I- actually, there was something on uh, on the news recently about... Uh, how our generation will probably have the last yellowfin tuna. Yeah. That's Which is a sad. shame because it's delicious. <laughs> That's why I'm eating as much as possible right now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are only contributing to the problem. It's a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. It it's truly true. is. That was the Fast 15 with Carrie Williams. Carrie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, guys. It was a good time. So uh, 
what's coming up? Well, uh, I don't know if you remember two episodes ago, uh, including this one, we talked about the Edmonton Journal a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have Karen Unland, the Edmonton Journal's online editor, on the next show, and we're going to talk about the intersection of old and new media and what that means for organizations like the Edmonton Journal. That sounds interesting. It is. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 12. Our guest, Carrie Williams. Our topic, Next Gen. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. And that actually ends an episode uh, where we didn't get to talk about Star Trek at all. That's two in a row. Fascinating.